This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's oh, fan club on FUBAR Radio. Enough, I think I'm, I can hear myself. Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. Doing a sound check. That's great. Uh, maybe you want to check out uh, whether whether the third mic is working, Natalie. Uh, do you think the third mic is is working? Do you want to talk into it? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's, I, can, can you just talk into it? Can you talk oh, yeah, into it? I can hear. And make Headphones sure you keep quiet. your head uh, pointing at me so that we can see you on the camera. <laughs> Headphones are a bit quiet, yeah, are they? Turn, I think they're a bit quiet, these. I can't. And how do I turn them up? How do I turn them up? Can you hear in your headphones? I can hear in my headphones, yeah. How ca- you can't hear anything in your no, headphones? It's a black knob over there. It's a black knob over there. There you go. How about now? No, I'm going to have to fix it. You, you didn't make uh, any noise once you changed it. I can't hear it. No, I can't hear in my head. Okay, so have you got the wrong headphones on? No, no. You're listening to Five Star Fan Club. My name's Nick Helm. My name's Nathaniel Metcalf. And you're listening to Nick and... Nathaniel Metcalf's <laughs> fan club. Uh, first rule of fan club is Terry French fan club. Second rule of fan club is please, please, for the love of God, tell your friends. Tell your friends, pal. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about fan club. Club. It's not like we're rehearsed. It is rehearsed. <laughs> we do. We, we do rehearse. We've been rehearsing all bloody week. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, lower the microphone. Uh, yes, one, one for the people. One for the, one for our live studio audience. Everybody uh, in the audience, can you all say hello? <laughs> wow! Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, we're, uh, we're, uh, oh, right, yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. Our podcast is live this week from the. Lo- okay, uh, they know when to shut up. I tell you that <laughs> uh, from the London Palladium. Uh, we're very uh, excited about that. Uh, good. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, uh, this isn't a show yet. No, but it will be. It will um, be. It's happening. Uh, 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 we. Um, so what day is this? This is Friday. This is Friday, the thirty-first of May. Friday, thirty-first of May. Uh, so that is going to be the week after next. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pre-record. It's a pre-record. We're pre-recording uh, because we've got a special guest today, and he's only in uh, the country for a limited amount of time. Which means that we are going to be. I mean, I've seen a bunch of stuff over the weekend, and uh, and I wanted to talk about it. And it is very it's sort of time specific. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, but also, I think that uh, it'll still be around. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It'll still be around. But this is fine. I, but I'll be talking about stuff that I saw this weekend, and uh, and you'll be thinking that's not just out. And it was like, well, it was when I was talking about it. Um, but anyway, Nat, um, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I've got loads to talk about. Have you got anything to talk about? Well, uh, what have you been a fan of this week? Well, I tell you what. The format of the show, guys <laughs> and gentlemen, just in case you're wondering, is that uh, we just talk about stuff that we like. That's it. That that's, is it. That's it, really. We try and veer away from negative stuff. Yeah. Um, if you are, if you do enjoy the show, please, uh, I'm not going to beg. Uh, neither is Nat, are you? I might beg. We could do with some. Um, we could do. Uh, we could do with. Uh, nah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> don't give us five star reviews on iTunes uh, because we don't care about how visible this show is. Yeah. Unlike some of them other podcasts, yeah. a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit ruddy desperate. If you ask me, uh, we play uh, it cool. We just do it the show. We do it for us. We do it for you. We don't do it for the uh, praise and the awards and things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like to imagine that there aren't any listeners. Sure. And it's just me and you having a chat. Yeah. 
and then occasionally someone else will come in and it'll get a bit awkward <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 shut up Natalie uh, there'll be, uh, <laughs> it's just one extra voice in the room to shout over as far as I'm concerned <laughs> I'm so exhausted after these records that I need to have a good lie down in a dark room um, <laughs> oh, laughing inordinately. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we're on iTunes as a download. You don't get the music. And then if you listen to us live every week, then you get the music uh, that, that we pick. And what, what great music we pick. What? I think you get a taste of it, though, didn't you? You get a taste from that. You get maybe a 10 second intro. 10 seconds. 10 seconds that's mm. some some time that's all you need but i think we really need to get into it uh mm. what what episode are we up to now what's this is this the is this our, 52 isn't it so it's 52 so we've done a year this a is year, our year yeah one year fan club one year fan club we've had some amazing guests over the year yeah, some terrible ones as well we've had some pretty awful ones and we've had a couple <laughs> of repeats uh so uh uh, <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, uh, I saw Natalie in the week uh, socially uh, at a party. What's she saying? Yeah, but I'm going to just talk about it like it was this week. It doesn't really matter. It was. Amu- <laughs> it was. It was. It was <laughs> she said. Uh, she said. She said to me, "She goes, Nick. We've really got to talk to you about the guests that we're getting. We could probably do with getting less comedians on." Uh, so, <laughs> so, and I said to her, uh, "You book them," <laughs> which is the truth. Um, we got a really good guest today for our birthday. It's not our birthday. It's our birthday next week. Do you think? Uh, how does that work? I think, I think 50 it's this week. T- no, 52 is the is the end of the year. We've done yeah, 52 yeah. weeks. This is end of season. End of season. And then as of next week, that's that's one again. See, it's phase two. So I think... Like the Marvel film. So, so, yeah, that's the beginning of... So this is... This is the, end uh, of phase this is, one. This is basically the equivalent of Avengers Assemble, mm. except for uh, just Captain America and Black Widow. Uh, I'm Black Widow. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yes we've had a year uh, we've had lots of great guests um, and uh, really enjoy doing the show I like getting out of the house and doing this um, and uh, it's helped me through (laughs) a dark year it's been a big year actually isn't it lots happened a lot has happened Oh, is it time to reflect? No. Nah, fuck it. We'll keep it light and we'll just keep going. So, um, anyway, uh, it's been really good doing this show with you, Nat. It's been great doing a show with you, Nick. Yeah, it's it is. good. It's, been a, it's a pleasure to come in. It's, nice it's one of well. the highlights of my week. It's the, I would say it is the highlight of my week. Okay, well. What, what I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm slightly more needy than you are. But what I would say that I find quite interesting uh, listening back... I don't, I've, I've stopped listening back as much, but, um, but I just... I, I'm, more uh, uh, self, not self-assured, but I'm more. Um, I just know what we're doing now, and I yeah, used to yeah. listen back because I was like, "Oh my god, what if uh, I did something wrong or whatever?" But um, what I notice is that um, uh, we have very different sensibilities, but um, uh, but they sort of uh, complement each other. Yes, which I think is quite interesting. So we don't. So we're not sort of, you know, no, not. Uh, uh, I don't shy away from the rougher edges. Uh, but uh, but you know uh, you sort of keep it on track. So there you go. I think that's why we deserve 
five stars, stars if somebody wanted to go online. We're not asking you to. We're not asking We're just to. saying if, but if you were to do it, <laughs> that would be the answer. If someone was to do it, then I think that might be... That you'd have to reflect on those things. You'd before have to you'd, think about those things, you know. If you're going to put any kind of we may, attribute, any number of stars to it. We may be very different hosts from each other, but together we're a team, mm. you see. Yeah. We're not two and a half stars each, though. No, we're five stars each, and together we're <laughs> overflowing. We're just cramming. We're cramming a Milky Way in <laughs> yeah. into yeah. a five five star capacity yeah. rating system. Right, uh, we're a million stars in five. That's going to be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> um, I'm getting phoned by my agent. <laughs> they really should know that I'm on air right now. Uh, that's disappointing. Um, so, they unless they're phoning me up to say stop talking, <laughs> and they can't possibly be doing that because it's a pre-record. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God, my, my head has gone through a time thing. That Spike Lee time travel movie's out now. Spike Lee time travel On movie. Netflix. Oh, so so he's produced a time travel film. Uh, and uh, Michael J. Fox retweeted it, and I think he's in it. Right. And what, what's the premise? Uh, it, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of uh, spikely uh, take on a time travel film where basically it's about um, uh, two black kids, I think in Los Angeles, and uh, someone gets killed in a... Um, there's a... A white police officer and he gets his gun out and he kills a kid with a phone and basically they travel through time to try and stop it okay and it's like a teen from the looks of the trailer it looks like a sort of like 80s like a teen throwback adventure comedy film with kind of gritty uh not even subtext i think the main point of the plot is that basically there's a police brutality thing well, it's a it's a white police officer gunning down a black kid, and uh, yeah, and it looks kind of yeah, it looks really interesting. I'm up for that. I'll but, watch that. But I'm, I'm especially uh, if it's got Jay Fox in it. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? You go, oh, it's got Michael J. Fox in it as well. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that's the selling point. But Michael J. Fox, I was thinking, I was thinking about that. You think Michael J. Fox? He didn't make loads of films. Well. He did make quite a lot of films, but he didn't make loads of films as successful as the Back to the Future films. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know if he ever needed to. I no. think I think in that one film, he earned himself, like... A sort of immortality. Yeah, like he's like equal... I mean, maybe nothing he ever did would ever be mm. as successful as that. Although I really enjoyed loads of his films. You know, I like Doc Hollywood. I like The Hard Way. Uh... Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say I liked Casualties of War, but mm. I mean... Um, but all the, I think all the choices he made as well, like, they're quite smart choices for the time. And they're all things where you go, yeah, I can totally see that. Just some of them didn't work out or didn't kind of secret, make money, Secret of my success. Mm. You know, he went from uh, <laughs> trying not to fuck his mum in Back to the Future yeah, yeah. to trying not to fuck his aunt in yeah. The Secret of My Success, which was great. And it's also got... Makes great use of the music. What's that called? What's that called? Ferris Buda's Day Off. Is it yellow? What's it called? Yellow. Don't talk when I'm talking. Don't cut yourself off at the beginning of when you. 
Oh, yeah. Right. I think you're saying Mo, yeah. Mo, yeah, yellow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> by yellow. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so they used it in Paris Beauty's Day Off and then again in Secret of My Success. Like, I think what it was, it was everyone... That seems it always seemed like such a weird thing because it felt like such a big thing in Ferris Bueller's Day Off that to use it again seemed almost like I think it's from it's from a different film. I think they were made seconds apart from yeah, each yeah. other. Um, but um, the thing about I mean, the Secret of My Success came out before Back to the Future Two, I think. So it's kind of like so. I think with Michael J. Fox, everyone could buy him as. Uh, a Teen Wolf as well. I mean, I hate Teen Wolf, but mm. um, I don't hate Teen Wolf. But I, it's such a when you read uh, Lucky Man, is it Lucky Man? Uh, the his Michael book. J. Fox book. Yeah, it's it? a really great book. He's written several books, but that was his first autobiography. And um, uh, when you read that, I mean, he was making Teen Wolf while Eric Stoltz was on the other side of Los Angeles making Back to the Future. <laughs> and while he was making Teen Wolf, he was like, going, I wish I wasn't making this piece of shit and I wish I was making Back to the Future. It must have felt like that, though, at the time as well. You must have been like... Because he was offered it first, wasn't he? Well, Back to the Future. Yeah. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because of family ties. Yeah. And then they go to Stoltz and then they went, we really do, we really did want Jay Fox. And so, but like, and that must be. I mean, that must be like. Um, well, it must be like wanting to marry your uh, childhood crush, but they're married, but they're in an unhappy marriage. Mm. So you end up settling for second best, and you marry them, and then your original crush gets divorced. And so you get a divorce, and then you marry them, and then you're happy ever after. And actually, it worked out for the best. I mean, Eric Stoltz was in Pulp Fiction. He was. Oh. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, and in a fan club-related thing, did you ever see that movie? Is it called Taxi, the French movie? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I Did I watch... They've made three of them. Sylvester Stallone is in the third one. I haven't seen it. It's one of my Sylvester Stallone films that I'm saving for, you know, when Retirement. the worst happens. <laughs> Uh, that has the French film Taxi its opening music is the same Dick Dale music from Pulp Fiction as the opening credits and you think well, that's mental because that's just from <laughs> that's such a famous and it's a few years later yeah, yeah. As oh well. it's like three years later when, yeah. when Pulp Fiction probably is even bigger because well, everyone's seen it by then isn't it Luc Besson didn't Luc Besson yeah. do, uh, he, he produced it he produced it, it and he wrote it as yeah. well I imagine um, I imagine. I imagine. No, Luke I think Besson. you're right. He used to. Well, <laughs> he produced. He produced and he writes a fuckload of films. He really does. And um, yeah, so the original because they remade that with fucking uh, Jimmy Fallon. They did. And Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah, I think, right? Likes the original one is just it. Just use it. it. It's like you can't use that music. It's been. It's too yeah, famous. Luke Besson is part of all of that lot. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's like even, that, yeah, Robert Rodriguez and uh, and Quentin Tarantino, and who was who was some of the other guys in there? Who made Four Rooms? Four Rooms was uh, Alison Anders. Yeah, and this is a fun. It's that guy, and he did. It's the guy who. If did you're listening and you know soup. who the other person is that directed Four Rooms, then uh, write in and let us know. Oh, we've got a. Oh, Al- it's Alexandre Al- Rockwell, of course. <laughs> and what else did Alexandre Rockwell, if uh, memory serves me right, obviously they became famous with uh, In the Soup in from the soup, 1992. 1992. That with, uh, with um, uh, Buscemi in it. 
uh, yeah, and then, and then followed that with somebody to love in '94, if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> and then, this is, uh, and then, and then, obviously, four rooms. They did the segment, the wrong man. Which, um, what happens in that one? Funny Can though. you remember the sections in four rooms? They, I know that there's like the the, the Rodriguez ones, like uh, Antonio Banderas, and it's the it's, it's the best one, isn't it? I think uh, it's definitely the best one. It's the one where it's, it's like a funny comedy. The kids go, who plays the bellboy is it Steve Buscemi? No, it's uh, Tim Roth. Oh fuck, it's Tim Roth, right? Yeah. So basically, Tim Roth is doing the blame it on the bellboy thing, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, and the Rod- Rodriguez one is he. Antonio Banderas puts him in charge of looking after his kids and then his kids basically set fire to the yeah. hotel room and they they find a prostitute in the mattress and, <laughs> and when they get in yeah it's chaos and it's like it works really well it's like this short short film and then uh, Quentin Tarantino's one is a remake of a, is it it's not a twilight zone no, it's it's Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock presents, is it Alfred Hitchcock? Presents? Well, it uses the same premise, doesn't it? it uses the same premise as like. A yes, but it's a remake. He just they reference it in the thing, don't they? Yeah, so but it's like, he's basically yeah, he's basically it's it's one he always basically steals off pop culture and recycles it. But in this one, it's like he's taken one idea and stuck. <laughs> normally, he takes like a, a hundred ideas and. Uh, mixes them together and this one it's kind of like he's taken one idea and just I know. presume the ending's different but I've never seen that album. well maybe, maybe but you just think try harder <laughs> well, I mean they must have done it very quickly um, and then there's the Madonna one where she's a witch that. who played the witches in that is that the wrong man where they need semen off someone and they try and get it off it's got um, is that what's her face who you interviewed Valeria Galino she, I think she might be in it, you know. Fucking hell. Fucking she hell. Is it is as well. It's my good buddy. Your good bu- buddy, Valeria Galino. Um, and I can't Any remember that. I can't remember that. Four Rooms, not a great film. No, I'd, I'd be interested to see it again. Four it's rooms. been a long time. Four Rooms, two stars. Have you ever seen, um, <laughs> is it New York Stories, the 80s one, where it's Scorsese, Woody Francis Allen. Ford Coppola, and Woody Allen? No. The Francis Ford Coppola one is like uh, it's uh, it's like a weird prototype Wes Anderson movie. It feels like you're watching a Wes Anderson comedy. It's it's so and, and very much like the kind of films that Sofia Coppola would make. It's like that, but Francis Ford Coppola and sort of ten years before they were doing those kind of films. Right, it's yeah. really interesting. Is but it completely, good? It's really good, but it's it, it's but they're totally mismatched three films they're so different from mm. each other I but it's just you watch it and go it's like you've gone uh, Scott Sazy film and then you've immediately gone uh, Wes Anderson film Woody Allen film <laughs> but yeah. you've got to watch them they're not they're not alike I find that with most uh, anthology yeah. films like that I don't I don't like the Twilight Zone movie um, and they're some of my favourite directors mm. involved in that well two of them <laughs> I would say Hmm. Who directed the movie? I'm trying to remember. Isn't it Landis? Landis, Spielberg, De Palma. Da- no, not no, De Palma. Dante. 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 Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, two, two, two of my favourites. But I think that's it. I mean, I think, again, like Four Rooms, all those films are basically people in a, in a weird way. They're, they're not dissimilar from like Ocean's Eleven movies where they're just people having a bit of a jolly, aren't they? It's like they've all gone, oh, let's all do a film. I, was, I, so I, I don't know. I sort of resent that. I resent having to pay 
15 quid plus popcorn <laughs> uh, to watch George Clooney on holiday. <laughs> I mean, I really... Ocean, was it Ocean's 12 really felt like that? And they're, they're virtually, like, shipping champagne on yachts and, and like, um, <laughs> cheersing you <laughs> while you're in a cinema with, like, a, a Coke going... Oh. <laughs> they're, like, they're like thanks for that mate fuck my life <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like that about the first one but, and I I'm did, good looking I did. <laughs> see you later <laughs> you having fun <laughs> this is a close up because I'm being sucked off um, <laughs> this is like uh, um, I felt like that about the first one and then I didn't watch the second I've still not seen the second one and then I actually really enjoyed the third one I liked, I liked the first one um, but it's like what's happening uh, behind the camera Mm. But I don't think it would have been like that because basically, I mean, they probably hung out on each other's sets a bit, but basically they'd have all been busy trying to outdo each other. Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, I don't know. I just can't be bothered, really. I, I, I mean, I, lo- I enjoy short films. I like watching short films. I've just watched a load of short mm. films <laughs> for, for our <laughs> guest. And then also uh, I've made some short films and I really enjoy what they... But I think that... I think a short film, if it gets a bit, if it gets any longer than about 15 minutes, you just think, um, I mean, I think that that part of the skill of a short film is to keep it short. Mm. And uh, any longer than that, and it becomes like, I don't know what, a pilot? A long film. I mean, (laughs) either a 15 minute film or 90 minutes and above. But like, I just can't. And also, 81 minutes. Who's making 81 minute movies? Try harder, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking hell although I saw a film that just had padding in it oh yeah you see that all the time I can't remember which one it was but I quite like I, I mean I watch a lot of kind of you know British horror movies and things and there's one called um, Island of Terror that I really like which is a Peter Cushing film that they made over a weekend and it's Peter Cushing and Terence Fisher and Terence Fisher did loads of the big kind of hammers and so they've actually got like but it's a new studio and they've gone well we've got Cushion, we've got Terence Fisher, we're going to make a lot of money off of this. But they've like made it for no money over a weekend. And it's one of those films where everything that happens in it is just for running time. And there's bits where they've, like, they've got these, uh, they've got to try on these like hazmat suit things where they've got this sort of alien silicate that they're, they're uh, and it just, there's just a whole scene of them getting dressed, putting these hazmat suits on, and it's like about five minutes of them just, you're just watching them getting dressed, and you go, right, I mean, okay, we, we are just watching, uh, and it, 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 there's a bit in it where they have to, um, uh, uh, there's some cows, and the silicates can eat eat flesh, so, so but they've got a, uh, um, sort of immunise these cows so there's just a scene where they're injecting cows with this sort of massive sort of syringe but they, then it's just like it's like next cow <laughs> and then they just keep going and the next one please <laughs> and you just watch this scene of them for like about three minutes of them just the same thing happening and you go cut away we know and it is and I think in the end that's still only like 80 minutes or something it's like they've just got nowhere near enough script they just have to keep filling. I like that. No, I don't. I would fucking be furious. Um, <laughs> so I found out at the weekend, speaking of Hammer, that um, Christopher Lee made a non-Hammer Dracula film mm. where he had a moustache. Yeah, Jess Franco. Like an, uh, is it Italian or Mexican? I think it's Italian. I've never seen it. I've, I've, I've often, it's never really been available over here, I don't think. It, but it's based on Dracula. 
So it's not like a sequel to a Dracula film. He's made all the Draculas. Hmm. He's got grey hair now. He's got a big grey moustache. Apparently in the book, Dracula had a moustache. Oh, you might well do, actually. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and so Christopher Lee turns up as just redoing another version of the original Dracula, and he's got a moustache. I just find that, you know. <laughs> this time, I think I'll have a moustache. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like him. Just like, like him. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, uh, so what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, four rooms. Why were we talking about four rooms? We are talking about four rooms because of... <laughs> no idea. Before forums, we're talking about Spike Lee's oh, Michael Netflix J. Fox. show, Michael J. Fox. So yeah, but like I think people got so used to Michael J. Oh, Eric Stoltz, Pulp Fiction. Um, <laughs> Eric Stoltz is really underrated. Oh, he's great. He's great in The Fly too. And one of my all-time, me and my sister, I think this was my sister's favourite film for a long time, but me and my sister used to watch Some Kind of Wonderful over and over and over again. I just love that film. He's in a film called The Jealous Guy. Have you ever seen that film? No, not seen Really that. good film, but it's very sort of, it's like, you know, it's a very, in a way, it's like a three-star film, but it's very entertaining. And there's a great scene in that that I always think about is where um, his character cheats on his girlfriend. And when she asks where he's been, he says, oh, I went to the rep cinema to watch uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And she said, oh, I love that film. She goes, oh, I always forget. Is that in colour or black and white? And he starts going, um, uh, and he's just watched it. And he's having this sort of thing in his head where he's just making up. And I thought, what a brilliant way of him revealing that he's not been. Yeah. And it's just such a great scene where she's going, what do you mean you've just seen it? Was it in colour or black and white? He's like, oh, yeah, I think it's in... Um, I think it's in black... Yeah, you think it's... No, I remember just that scene always really stuck with me. Mr. It's such Jealousy. A kind of clever it's way. called Mr. Oh, Jealousy. Mr. Jealousy. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks, Nick. M- Noah Baumbach film. Oh, is it? How old is it? Oh, I think of it as being quite... Uh... 1997 it was made. Oh, wow. Same year as uh, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Batman and Robin, obviously. <laughs> Speaking of Batman and Robin, I saw a double bill. And Armageddon. 97? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, and Godzilla. Yes. That was 97. What? It was, it was 97 because the trailer for Godzilla was of Godzilla smashing a skeleton of a T-Rex. That's right. And in uh, Armageddon, uh, a meteorite... Uh, smashes through a, a, a street stall that's selling Godzilla knockoff plastic toys. Yes. So they, so they all did like a thing where they were shitting on each other, except for obviously Batman and Robin <laughs> didn't need to. Uh, uh, was it independent? Except Day? for he freezes a dinosaur. In which is what this? killed the dinosaur? Oh, the yeah. Ice Age. <laughs> oh yeah, probably was. So that must have been like a direct joke about he's killing the dinosaurs. Yeah, he didn't though. He didn't. He killed the joke. <laughs> Do you remember, I remember. And uh, the Batman franchise. Mars Attacks was made. We went into production first, didn't it? But before Independence Day, and at the time there was a thing like, oh, there's two mm. alien invasion movies coming out, and I think Independence Day actually got greenlit because of it. I think. Well, it came out first as well. Yeah, though, it right? came out and it beat it to the cinema, and it was a sort of and that took all the kind of took all of its thunder. But I remember the uh, um, the tagline for Mars Attacks was, uh, "You might have survived July Fourth, 
but don't count on Christmas. <laughs> and I remember that being like, oh, that's nice. And then that failed as well. <laughs> I mean, neither of us. I mean, I, uh, I enjoyed Independence Day when I saw it at the cinema with my dad on opening uh, night. Uh, that was very special because my dad doesn't really... I mean, he goes to films when I make them. But we went on, like the, I think, the opening Friday, and it was the closest to like an American audience that I'd ever been in, where people were cheering in the cinema. I can't remember which cinema we went to, though. I think it might have been Watford. And, um, yeah, people were really up for it. And then I remember like, the following summer, it had come out on VHS, and fucking hell, just every time we went around anyone's house, they were watching Independent. And then that film got old really fast. I am. Um, I, I was... Uh, I don't know, it's one of those things where I felt really cynical because as soon as it opened, I know people love it, I hated it. I watched it and I was going, this is rubbish. I thought it was terrible. At the time, I preferred Stargate. Yeah, I would have definitely preferred Stargate. Same, um, same director if you're baffled at the link. I, I like Stargate. I was up for, and that's probably why I would wanted to see Independence Day. But I was uh, really yeah. excited about Independence and there was lots of mystery shrouded around mm. it. And I just remember there was a shot of uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum and like, all the other actors. Um, who's, who's the old... Bill guy? Pullman? Robert Lagia. <laughs> Robert Lagia. Robert Lagia. Anthony LaPaglia. There was an Anthony LaPaglia film that came out about uh, two months after uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral called something like The Hitman or something. And that was... Uh, that used the original Love is All Around as its theme. And I remember going, you can't have this <laughs> But that was an accident. They'd done that by, they'd done that just by, like, at the time they'd probably go, no one's heard this song in years. Let's have it. What, it's the, the theme the of The Trogs. Yeah. <laughs> Love is All Around. Um, yeah, so I remember there was a picture of, like, a, like a, uh, not, I don't think it was a set, I think it was probably a publicity still, with not a lot of information in. They were in kind of like a, a hangar, and maybe there was a spaceship in the background, but it was such shrouded in secrecy, and it was just like, and it's gonna. I remember they were like saying that, oh, we're gonna take all like the mythology that there is around kind of like aliens and sort of UFO sightings and Area Fifty One and um, you know the desert and uh, flying saucers. We're gonna take all of that and kind of like <coughs> um, you know the aliens with uh, round heads and big shiny eyes. And we can take all of that and we're gonna make it into. Uh, this weave it all into one tapestry and kind of make sense of all of that, you know. And, and you watch it and you go, oh. I mean, th- what I imagined was much better than what you end up with. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always the case. I think, better really. call my mother. Better call my chef. Better call my lawyer. Ah, maybe not my lawyer. <laughs> you go, oh, that's great. Yeah, um, love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, and, but then Mars Attacks didn't like that much, which had Michael I J. Fox in Mars it. Attacks, yeah. I loved Mars Attacks, yeah. I didn't like it that much. I mean, I thought... I, but that's... It's like one of the... It's a typical Tim Burton thing where he hasn't got a story. Well, I watched over the weekend, I watched Double Bill on the big screen of Batman and Batman Returns. You went to that? Yeah. And? Uh, Batman, I haven't seen in years and years, but it's so familiar because <laughs> I've obviously watched it millions of times that every scene starts and you go... God, I basically know it virtually off by heart. Yeah. And then you watch um, uh, um, uh, but then Batman Returns. Batman Returns feels like night and day and Batman Returns I thought was absolutely brilliant. Batman, I thought, like I was going oh, it's such a disappointing film to watch now. I think it's it's so crazy when you watch it, 
how much more similar to the 60s TV series it is than anyone would have you believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that, and I don't mind that as a. In I don't, a way. I don't no. mind that. I don't mind that, but it's not the grown-up adult film that everyone wants you no, to think it is. No, not at all. And it's it's also just doesn't. I mean, there's lots of stuff in it that I like. Jack Nicholson's good, and uh, um, Michael Keaton's good, and Michael Goff's great as well as Alfred in that. And to the point where you think he's kind of underused in the later ones. And there's a bit where he he's... He was very old in the later ones. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, there's a bit where he's... Fought when you sort of... Bruce Wayne's at the party and he's got these sort of champagne glasses that he's constantly picking up and Alfred's sort of following them around and, and it's just sort of doing this sort of comic right, bit yeah, in the yeah, background yeah. where he's trying to catch it before he puts it bit down somewhere. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like... It's a really nice bit of, like, stuff, bit of business yeah, between yeah, yeah. them. Um, well, that's good direction. Yeah, it is. But bit, a bit, it's also... The way it looks, you go, actually, it doesn't really look that Tim Burton-y. It's, like, it's all those Anton First designs... And it's all, it's like well, Art Deco Noir. It doesn't feel a like... A little bit, but then whenever they're in Wayne Manor, it looks like they've hired out a, a country house in Hertfordshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the the second one is so stylized. it's kind of like Tim Burton has built a world from scratch. Yeah. And the first one feels like there's a lot of things doubling for other stuff. On that, that Gotham City set, you know, there's a really interesting thing online where there's like a walkthrough of the set where they basically, it was this huge set that they built, but basically it was a set that was a square with um, like a statue monument in the middle and a, a green bit. And then they built like uh, facades all around it with a couple of alleyways that went off. And m- the majority of the action was filmed there. When you watch the film, you can see bits in the background of each shot that give away the geography of it. Right. And even though it was the biggest set that had ever been built at the time, it's actually small. Yeah, and actually it does, whenever it cuts to... It's always in the same place, really, mm. whenever you see Gotham City. Well, the same with uh, same with Batman uh, Returns, in a way. Yeah, yeah, that is, too. But I just... Batman Returns, when it starts, it's like... I, I felt really a bit like, oh, I've got Batman Returns. Uh, Batman Returns felt like a bit of a chore going into it, mm. having just watched a film that felt really disappointing. And within five minutes, I was going, this is great. This, it has the same problem where there's no story and um, he doesn't give a shit about that. I mean, but I talk about so Christopher funny. Nolan. I talk about Christopher Nolan making three Batman films where essentially he was embarrassed to be making Batman films and what he really wanted to be doing was making a crime film. And you go, that's... that's that's, and, and that's my biggest criticism of those films, mm. where it's still not my Batman, you know? Mm. And um, I could throw the same... I think that visually the Tim Burton films stick out more, but um, but the same argument is that he doesn't give a shit about that. Well, I think the it's... First, re- the first film suffered from the fact that... Not suffered, that's the wrong word, but the first film was exacerbated by the fact that Jack Nicholson was basically in charge of that film. Yeah. Um, and so, if there's ever, <laughs> he's not going to be suggesting let's put more Batman scenes in. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it, uh, Michael Keaton kind of like got pushed out a little bit there. But in the um, uh, in the, in the second one, he still he still doesn't care. Do you know mm. what I mean? And it, it's kind of like um, the Penguin and Catwoman are essentially Edward Scissorhands substitutes. But they, I mean, that's it. They're so every line in it's funny. It's yeah. like, it feels really subversive. It's so, like, some of the lines they're getting away with is, is shocking. When yeah, you right. think, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're saying this. And um, and it, it has a real, it makes you think, God, I miss when Tim Burton made films like this. Yeah. Because it feels really subversive and really, like, 
like really unusual that this is a block mad that this is a blockbuster it's some film. of them I mean if you think back it's some of the most visually memorable filmmaking that second Batman film but both the Batman films really but no I would say specifically the second Batman film Edward Scissorhands as well but Tim Burton of that era he made some of the most memorable filmmaking since 1930s Universal Horror mm. movies where you, you know exactly what Frankenstein looks like you know exactly what Dracula looked like uh, you know exactly what the Wolfman looked like and then you know what uh, the Penguin and Catwoman do you know what I mean they yeah. were so kind of like strike in a way that um, and I don't just mean um, they're clean designs do you know what I mm. mean there's sort of like nothing sort of like fuzzy about it you can kind of like you can perfectly visualise them in your head and I think that that's a real kind and of they're both so great in it Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Danny DeVito yeah and it's like they're it's like they're in competition to be like when they're both together on screen yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like this is great but and I remember at the time people going I think there's just too many villains in this and I was like no nah, but when they're together they just spark off each other and not in a who can talk the loudest yeah, way yeah. In, like uh, what you get in uh, Batman and Robin mm. which is just fucking terrible the scenes between Poison Ivy <laughs> and Mr Freeze are just fucking awful going to play a song and then we should talk yes, about yes. Uh, uh, some other stuff <laughs> Bar Radio. Uh, Favourite scene in Batman Returns is the one when they're at the ballroom, at the mass ball. Oh, it's great. And they're the only two that aren't wearing. Yeah, yeah. And then they realise at the same time that they're mortal enemies and you go, oh, that's, that's good, that's good. Um, and she says, I suppose we have to, do we have to fight each other now? So it's really it's great. It's really good. It's just like, it's, it's all the way through, it's just like, it's like every scene is like, oh, this is a good scene. And Batman... It's very memorable, but partly I wonder if it's memorable just because I saw it so many times. Whereas, like, every scene that starts in Batman Returns, it's like, oh, it's this bit. Oh, it's great. Batman has some has some good bits in it, but it, it also has some very cringy bits in it and mm. some bits that have aged. I mean, I always... Um, Whenever anybody tells me that I look nice, I always say, I didn't ask. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's all and, that stuff. Uh, and the crap, 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 crap. <laughs> now this I like. Um, <laughs> I like yeah, but like, yeah. Um, but I just don't think that, I think Mask of the Phantasm is <laughs> just an amazing film in general. Oh, it's brilliant. And it's the best Batman film. And, um, and it's the animated one. Mm. And they just have none of the. None of the pre- none of the subsequent animated films, but none of the Batman films. Have yeah, well, lived I think that's, I was thinking that while watching Batman Returns that that animated series basically started just that sort of autumn after Batman Returns, didn't it? And was I guess the kind of oh, we'll do a Batman cartoon, and it had the Danny Elfman music and all there. So it felt like it was it was sort of almost spun off of. Uh, do you know one of the reasons why the Batman uh, cartoon series is so visually dark? No. They animated it on black paper. Oh. There you go. There you go. Interesting. It is interesting. Uh, it's just the best series. And uh, the other thing was, uh, 
just I think that Michael J. Fox, um, he just absolutely it was it was a career defining role as uh, Martin McFly, uh, and I just think that whenever he did anything where he wasn't playing a teenager, it's kind of like we always just wanted him to be that teenager. Yes, yeah. And I think when you see him, you know, in a sex romp comedy. <laughs> that he's made just after Pax. If you just feel a little bit like I can't even imagine him having pubes. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Well, I think I wonder as well that his thing, like he really did appeal to kids. And I was just talking about that Bright Lights Big City film. And I do wonder if, like, because that came out here and it would have been, you know, R-rated in the states and an 18 over here. That as soon as something like that starts, is the audience that would have wanted to see it. I remember wanting to see it, going, "Oh man, I can't see that. It's an 18." <clears throat> but the audience that were kind of his big fans were probably kids. So it was probably made it harder for him to break out into more kind of adult things because everyone just wanted to see him. Everyone that was like his big fans were probably kids and couldn't get into those films. But I mean, he did try. But they they tried really hard to get him to do Casualties of War. I mean, mm. he had to be persuaded oh, to really? do it. Uh, the documentary De Palma. Mm. I mean, it's such a good film. Um, but yeah, uh, so they, they convinced him to do it, and when he did it, I mean, Sean Penn was that such a cunt to him. He was such a horrible. Sounds absolutely horrible. But Sean was like laughing about it. In high, that's one of the things I like about Department the, the film is uh, the documentary is that he's that he's just chuckling along at these things, and you go, that must have been awful for Michael J. Fox. Must have been, but I don't think he's laughing at Michael J. Fox. I think no. he's just like going, I mean. I like I, I don't know. I mean, it just sounds. But also, Brian De Palma was just kind of like, we, I just did what I could to get the movie made, yeah. and he didn't care about anything, any of the politics or anything that was happening. You know, in front of the camera. No, all he cared about was what was happening in front of the camera. He didn't care about any of that other shit. He was just kind of like, we just got to get the movie made, and he was like saying, I guess nobody liked me on that picture, but it wasn't my job to be like, yeah. You know. um, but he doesn't come across as like a tyrant. He just no. comes across as this guy that just got an idea for a film. Why do people keep fucking it up? <laughs> so, uh, who directed the De Palma documentary? Uh, go on, who was it? It was Noah Baumbach. That's fan club. That's fan club. Um, yeah, it's a great documentary. Anyway, so um, uh, so you went to see the Batman films this week? Yes. Um, I don't know what to talk about. You've literally oh. moved that and all of the monitors have gone down. Oh. And they're back. So <laughs> what did I write? So on Friday... I watched in one go the entire Netflix series Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave. Tim Robinson? So Tim Robinson uh, was in sort of like one season of Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, okay. And uh, he's basically, he's written... Uh, who's Akiva, what's his name, from uh, Lonely Island? Um, he's directed it. And uh, it's a basically, it's this sketch show, but it's a 15-minute sketch show of eight episodes. And I put it on expecting to switch it off pretty quickly and I watched the whole thing it's really funny okay. it's, like, it's a sketch show it's hit and miss but I would say the hits are kind of like proportionately bigger than the misses and uh, basically it's a, it's a sketch show where he takes a joke and then the joke just extends beyond its uh, welcomeness and it just keeps going and going and going and so so the joke reaches its logical conclusion and then it just becomes like just goes so far past the point of no you know I just think it, it was really I'm, I'm sure it's not like that but I always get I always think it's funny now in that kind of post um, Akiva Schaefer uh, post sort of far show world was when you see like sketches of like when you see those kind of the classic two runny sketches and you watch them it's like oh, for like eight minutes 
Yeah. And it's just this sort of, you get the premise immediately within 30 seconds and you go, all oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just goes on and on and I'm on sure and the on reason, and on. I'm sure the reason of that was because they A, they used to do it in front of a live audience and B, they had to build the sets and the costumes. Yeah, because if you watch so it too, Ronnie, it's, it's like, you get like two sketches. You get like a filmed insert, you get like a big sketch at the start, big sketch at the end, and the rest of it's them sat next to each other doing their kind of the news this week and all yeah. that, and you go, that's half hour. They had to validate They had to validate the use of, you know, oh, why are they dressed up as beef eaters for 25 minutes? <laughs> it's just like, oh, because they had to build <laughs> build the uh, portcullis and the Tower of London and uh, make uh, 35 uh, kinky beef eater outfits for the <laughs> dancing girls in the background. You go, oh, right, that's why they did it. But this Tim Robinson, um, Tim Robinson, it, I just thought it was really good. I mean, I just sat down and watched it all in one go, and now I'm a bit sad that I haven't got any more of it to watch. How but, many is there? Uh, eight, eight, fifteen minutes. Okay. Um, it's just really funny, and um, I really like uh, Hot Rod. Is one of my favourite um, comedies, and uh, uh, it's not, it's not like far off from that in terms of humour. But it's uh, Tim Robinson's. Um, I don't. I've never heard of him before, um, which. Um, Probably shouldn't admit, I suppose. But well, um, I never. And I, I like I always see like, with the with the sort of modern the modern American comedians. I'm really at a loss, especially like sort of doing stand up and things. Sometimes people t- will talk to me about people like American stand ups. So I'm like, no idea. But about. I watch quite a lot of Saturday Night Live, um, and uh, I don't remember him from any sketches. But right. what happens a lot of the time is that they don't get on. Uh, yeah, they don't yeah. get actually onto the show, and then they get fired, yeah. and then they go on to do greater things. And uh, yeah, anyway, I thought it was really good. Yesterday, I well, watched uh, quite a lot of Columbo. Oh yeah, which one? Um, who was in? The, oh fucking hell! I know the one that I had to leave the house on was Leonard Nimoy. Uh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I just can't <laughs> I can't remember who was on it. It wasn't anyone. It wasn't anyone famous. It was um, well, they were probably famous at the time. It was a guy in sort of like a Playboy mansion. It was like Bachelor Monthly was the name of the magazine. <laughs> and um, Or Bachelor Fantasy or something like that. And they kept talking about all of the, the, the Playboy bunny stand-ins as nymphs. And they kept... But they must have used the word nymph something like 18 <laughs> times. And it just made... It like... It was just made you skin crawl. <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting, uh, but quite a good, uh, quite good. And I watched some murder she wrote as well, which was um, lovely stuff. Uh, but the main thing, uh, oh, last week I watched the Richard Curtis movie about time. I have seen that, and I think I struggled with it. Although I know there's bits of it in hindsight that I have thought about since. Really? Now why? I think I found it a bit creepy as an idea. Bachelor's World. When Diane Hunter, the publisher of men's magazine Bachelor's World, wants to sell her stock to a media tycoon, her adulterous partner, Sean Brantley, objects. Soon afterwards, Miss Hunter apparently disappears on a London-bound flight. Hmm. And Tim Robinson was in Saturday Night Live 2012 to 2014. It was a good episode of Columbo. Who was the main villain? Was it not a named person? Uh, Sean Brantley was uh, the character, I suppose, but um, I, don't, I can't remember who played him. And he looked vaguely familiar. Okay. He was uh, doing a British accent, but I'm pretty sure he was Scottish because right. he kept ac- he kept like accidentally speaking in uh, in a Scottish Ian Buchanan, okay. Dick, Dick in, in Twin Twin Peaks. Peaks. Oh, there Dick. you go. Not seen not seen Twin Peaks. Oh, oh I know, I know. There you go. Well, there you go. 
Um, so what, you struggled with about time? Yeah, I sort of found it all a bit creepy, him sort of doing his sort of weird, uh, I'll just do that again. Oh, now I'll, uh, it felt a bit sort of manipulative in that sort of weird oh, it is. thing that happens in like, I find that a lot with Curtis films. I find that I really want to like them and then I always have that like, there's always something about them I find a bit like, <coughs> why do you think this was all right? I think Love Actually is awful. I thought it at the time and I find not I find it manipulative filmmaking but also I just don't buy any of the stories because it's not because they all have to be um, a fraction of what a romantic story would be so like for Chris Marshall his whole arc is that he gets to go off with some mm. uh, women wearing underwear <laughs> and you go that's it and that's you go it. and uh, that might be a, an aspect of a uh, film but when that's one person's entire arc i just think it's like all i think the whole of love actually and i don't understand why it's got such a female following but i think the whole of love actually is incredibly creepy i find it i i, I hate it i think there's i think so much of it is i think love actually has as moments in it where i go See, I think in another film, that bit is a really good idea. It's like got ele- like moments <coughs> where you go, see, that's a really good thing, but then it doesn't fit together. And the whole film, again, is like two and a half hours, isn't it? It's like a rom-com that's like, just really kind of goes on and on and on. Yeah, and um, I, also the, the whole, the whole pre- the fact that Martin McCutcheon keeps getting called fat and all the way through mm. it. And he she, goes, well, she's not fat. She's not fat. But also, even if she was, why yeah. is that? Do you, do you know what I mean? It's just got, I just find that there's so much of... I think the whole film think, is unacceptable and should be cancelled. There you go. <laughs> but no, it kind of is. There's so much stuff. There you go. God, that's weird. It's also weird that he's Prime Minister... And he's going out with like the the girl that serves the tea. Well, he's and not. You go, well, but surely that's a massive weird power balance in that relationship to begin with. Well, that's a t- done 2018 like, yeah. hashtag <laughs> Me Too. I mean, that's not. That, it's the whole film is like that. Yeah. But it was like that at the time. Yes. And I came out of it going fucking hell. That was. And then before I got the the girl I was with was just like that was beautiful. And you just like go, oh, well, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I think it's like I felt this like doesn't it doesn't bode well. It's got like a million different. It's like a million different ideas that Richard Curtis has for um, romantic comedies, and he's gone. Oh, I don't know if that actually is good enough for a film. But what if I get all seven, and just that will bang bang them all in, and that will do as like a that will make up one proper film. I think he's probably f- approached it kind of scientifically. Gone. What are the different aspects of love? And he's gone. Well, there's kind of like lust, isn't there? And there's uh, there's unrequited, unrequited, love. and there's divorce, and there's like a marriage that's sort of like run its course, and there's young love, and then there's uh, 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 having a second chance at love, mm-hmm. and there's being in love with your best. I think he's done it like really, kind of like gone through all the thing, but it's virtually all male points mm. of view it's, anyway I don't want to talk about love actually the thing about about time that I I didn't find it creepy I thought Donald Gleeson in it um, bearing in mind that I can't get his performance uh, from The Last Jedi out of my head I think I don't like him actually I, I thought he was incredible in it I just thought it was such a good performance I thought I completely bought it and I think all of I agree with your to an extent about the thing that jarred with me was that I'm just going to go and fix that but I was like thinking are you expecting us to watch this in a world where no one's seen Groundhog Day mm. it was just like oh, we've seen this we've seen this in another film um, uh, but I forgave it all of that and 
<laughs> I'm going to say uh, that um, it really, I didn't want to watch it and it surprised me mm. with how much I uh, enjoyed it. Mm. I think the ending's very sweet and I think that's quite a nice thing. But also it's a fairy tale England, mm. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's basically, we've put Rachel McAdams in it and we're selling it to Americans. And I don't see that there's a problem with that, but also... Um, it's kind of like, oh, we're just an average family that live in a mansion in Cornwall. And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, no, I liked it. Um, and I, th- I, d- I did think the whole premise, the way they explained time travel was just really funny. It was just, they just explained it away, just like, <clears throat> oh, this film's going to be about time travel? Hmm. Cool. Uh, <laughs> don't, that's don't you worry about it too much. <laughs> it, did, like, it was the Austin Powers way of introducing go, time go travel. Going back to, to Team Wolf, that's exactly what they do in that, doesn't it? It's like, oh, you're a wolf. Yeah, and, that, and I've been a wolf as well. Your dad's a wolf. We're all werewolves. It's like, right. And it's like, forget about it. Everyone loves it. No one cares. <laughs> you can play basketball. I used to be a werewolf. No one's soldier, but I used to be a werewolf in high school. Everyone knew. No one thought to ever mention it to you in the town that your dad, yeah, your dad was a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, he used to be a werewolf. Yeah. Just like a mad thing of it. Like, he just wanders around like, werewolf now. No one's like going, holy holy shit it's a werewolf everyone's just like pretty cool guy I like him I think that's exactly what would happen <laughs> no what would happen is he'd turn to a werewolf and he would absolutely destroy everyone it would be a bloodbath okay we'll play a song uh, no not yet <laughs> and then uh, the other thing that was on over the weekend was um, uh, Army of Darkness was on oh, yes. film four they showed uh the theatrical release and they showed the director's cut. Oh, really? Right. Uh, on, on one night. And you That's just go, weird, yeah. So the, and, uh, they, are, uh, they are very similar. I mean, I would say there's 90% the same footage yeah. in, in both films. But um, it was amazing. They didn't show the... Uh, it wasn't the US theatrical release. I think it was the UK theatrical release. So it would have been the same thing that was on Sky in the 90s. And I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen that since, I would say, the early 2000s. Um, as soon as they started bringing out the DVDs for Army of Darkness, it was always the US, uh, the US cut, which I think is 88 minutes long. And then there was the director's cut, which I think is 95 minutes long. And the UK theatrical cut was 92 minutes long. And it's not just a case of they've cut a bit here and then they've added some there. It's literally the whole structure of the battle at the end of Army of Darkness is completely different. They add in... Um, in the director's cut, he seems to have just picked up any old footage off the cutting room floor and just jammed it back in the film. Um, and you, it's awful. You know, it like breaks up the flow of stuff. It's jokes that really should have been cut out that have just been put in to, to give it a reason to re-release it. I mean, those, those that are famous for just re-releasing their films over and over again. I think Evil Dead is the worst because they have all the rights to that, maybe. But they just re-release the stuff over and over again to get as much money out of it as possible. But... With Army of Darkness, there was a really, really good version of it, which is like the 92-minute theatrical UK theatrical release. And that's the best possible version to watch it in. And all the others are slightly embarrassing because you're watching it and you're like going, oh, yeah, but you've you got to remember, when you're watching it with people, you go, you've got to remember that in the other version it's not like this. I bought this box set that had five different versions. It's a German <laughs> box set that had five different versions on it, including this Australian version. And the Australian version has like... Test. I mean, I think for Australian TV it had to be two hours long. So they've put in all of this stuff that's just like test footage, 
where you go like that's not in any of the three versions that already exist it's crazy there's like really weird like Bruce Campbell talking to camera and stuff it's like it's 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 just just weird stuff I like, still the version I first saw which ends with him in the future it's, it's my fa- it's always the one that I thought was most satisfying that's the absolute least of the problems I mean the fact is that there's two endings one of them he's in a supermarket uh, mm. in modern times and one of them he's in the future the Planet of the Apes future version mm. that is uh, that is the best version because mm. it just ends it and it's a complete film satisfying and you go yeah and it also does set up a sequel but not really I'm just happy it's with just that it's like a cool ending it's great it's, it's, it's uh, what's called dramatic irony where mm. you go yeah and he's still fucked he's, he's won save the day spoiler alert but he's still fucked and then the other ending is sort of like a happy ending that's tacked on and I don't worry you can, I can take or leave either ending right mm. with the theatrical release that they showed at the weekend uh, the ending was like yeah um supermarket ending fine there is another ending but um but it's all of the way that they fuck around with all of the stuff in in between anyway I watched it again for the first time in like 15 years that version and um i absolutely loved it all over again and what i like about it is that you can see how they do all of the special effects you know they're all sort of like you go well that bit is uh, they're playing the film in reverse and that bit is kind of stop motion and that bit's a puppet and you can see how they do it all but like there's a sequence when he's opening the books and that sequence they must use about you know 15 different disciplines in yes. like one minute and uh you can see how they do all of them but the fact that they went to that much effort to do exactly. all of that is what i love about it it's exactly what's great about the the american wolf in london transformation and all that stuff it's just that you know you can just, you know how they did it but it's just the idea that they've they've spent Months, months filming this thing because they know this is the bit everyone's going to talk about. Yeah, and I would say with Army of Darkness, there's like one of those moments every ten minutes. Not as iconic as that, mm. but the whole film is filled with just imagination. I think, and that's why I like it. That's my, why it's my favorite Evil Dead film, and one of I would say it's probably still one of my favorite films of all time, if not my favorite film of all time. Anyway, going to play a song and then we're going to get our guest. What what song are we playing? Uh, Thunder Road. Aren't we? And we're back in the studio, uh, and we're joined in the studio now by uh, director, producer, writer, actor, uh, Jim Cummings. That's one person, yeah, too many things. It's just you. (laughs) Uh, We we both went to see uh, your film, Thunder Road, how long ago? I was just saying, it must be like two or three months ago, right? Yeah. Uh, It's been a while since I've seen a film that... um, I've seen a lot of films, I've seen... All of the Marvel films. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all th- solid three stars for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's been a while since I saw a film that I enjoyed as much as I enjoyed uh, Thunder Road. Oh, thanks I so much. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, and when we found out that you were in the country, uh, we moved what day we recorded our show so that we could get you on. <laughs> um, it's great. Um, Thunder Road's a brilliant film um, because uh, I think I went into it very much expecting one thing. 
and that every uh, every scene just became you know it was just a different everything went a different way from what I was expecting it to um, good I think it's great and also within seconds uh, you know like I'm going to let you talk in a minute but I just want to no, get no, 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 I just want to get it off my chest I mean you do you, I mean I think your acting in it is absolutely incredible and there's a bit where um, uh, you're out the back of a uh, ambulance and uh, your performance in that scene it takes you from kind of like just on your face it just takes you and I know you directed it as well so you must have known what you were doing <laughs> playing to your strengths but I mean there's there's, there's stuff in that performance where you go from funny to sad to kind of like uh, uh, confused and there's all of these all of these emotions that go straight across your face and it's like and, it, and it's all within milliseconds of each other where you kind of like as an audience member you're smiling along with you and then you're kind of like you're almost like mimicking your own facial expression it's a, it's incredible it's an incredible film uh, thank you so, so much. well done thank you so much it's an honor thank yeah. you and were you aware of that in the writing process were you thinking were you, were you, did you know where it was going, or did you, yeah. you wrong-footing the audience, or where you thought people might expect it to go? Or? Uh, well, no, that's always the goal for me is to like create these uh, roller coasters for audiences, and uh, I write everything standing up and acting it out. Like I never, it's never like written to paper, and so all of it is performance. All of it is performed. So like all of those facial expressions are kind of in the screenplay format. It's a very long screenplay because of it, but like you know language and english are so complex but like you know body language says so much about what's going on in somebody's face and that that helps to tell a story all you have to mm. do is have a character wince after saying something and then that says oh i wish i hadn't said that out loud mm. and then that's tells that story you don't have to have that person say dialogue so i don't know i, I feel like i just acted it out a thousand times and then that's what made well, it the any first good. 10 minutes i guess of the, fun, yeah, the, road the funeral scene yeah, brutal yeah. <coughs> well we went uh, we, we've, we've seen the cuz when we saw the film, I mean, I, I hadn't heard of you before, and then it made me go back, and so, and, oh, Thunder Road's based on a short film, and so I wonder what that short film is. Went back and saw the short film, and it's basically the funeral scene. Yeah. And you go, of course it's that scene. And that's, I mean, that scene's incredible. To open the, f that's how the film opens, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. 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 And so, so to open the film on that, it's a really ballsy move. <laughs> and then it's like, how long is that shot? It's, yeah, in the short film, it's 13 and a half, and then in the feature, it's about 10. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Chris Farley interviewing yeah, Paul yeah, McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's Remember cool. when you were in the Beatles? That was great. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, so the so the short film, but I mean, did you, when you made the short film, um, it's kind of like a fully contained yeah, kind of, -contained. it's like a slice of life, yeah. self-contained thing where um, there's no kind of like neat ending to it. It's sort of a little bit open-ended in yeah. the short. But did you have an idea that you wanted to expand that at the time, or was you, were you happy with it just as a short? No, I was happy with it um, as a short. I'd never really done anything before. I was a producer for years, but I never really written, directed, and starred in anything. Um, and I had the idea for the short as kind of this love letter and apology note to my mom. And like, I, I was probably I was 28 or 29 at the time. And I was like, this is a few years ago. And I was like, I, I feel so terrible. Like looking back on my childhood, I must've been such a jerk. And yeah, like, right. I, I kind of realized that my parents were people, everything that I say in the opening scene. Um, but it really hit me hard at that time period. I feel like I became an adult. 
And so I shot this thing with no aspirations of it becoming longer than this. It was just this one like live-action Pixar film where it makes people laugh and cry and mm. be- become more considerate, hopefully. And then, uh, and then I ran a Kickstarter campaign about a year later to make the feature because I had the idea of what to go, where to go with the with the feature, and it just worked out. I don't know. It was just it was making the feature was making me laugh and cry in the same way that the short did, and so I was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to listen to my biology and make a feature out of this thing. Yeah, I think that um, when uh, we saw the feature, uh, I think that. I think we talked about it afterwards, but you could just yeah. imagine that funeral scene as something that you would, uh, you could even do on stage. You yeah. know, it's kind of like you could do a piece of theatre based on that, and um, and but I guess it must have been really difficult to perform it because you have like a full congregation <laughs> of people at the funeral, don't yeah. you? So I yeah. did, because I, I act, I did, I did a scene uh, in front of. I had to do some. Uh, I had to do a speech in front of. Uh, 30 essays 30, okay, wow. 30 extras and you have to, and you do it all day for like 8 hours times, yeah. and they don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get like friends and family then to kind so, of So so no. So we went to Craigslist and fi- and Facebook and I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to do this thing." There's a couple of friends there. Probably had five friends there, but we had 35 people in the church. And uh, when we were shooting the short film, I was a nobody. So nobody could look me up. They, they had no idea what was going on. And I just said, you know, we're black and come and... And it was like I think it was like $50 for the day or something like that. And so we had all Each. these people come in. Yeah. That's expensive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, that most of the I budget asking, of the movie? Yeah, yeah, seriously. No, that was it. That was like the vast majority of the budget. Um, but I invited people to come out. And then after the first take, there were people who were extras who were like, you got to get down here. Put on a... Like calling their friends be like, put on a black suit. Come down to this place. This is ridiculous. Come, come be in this thing. Thing. And by the by, the sixth take, we had four more people in the crowd because they were like, "All right, my buddy called me and said I should come in." <laughs> yeah, funny. That's I, great. I think one of the best bits in it, and it's in the short film and the feature, is the comic timing where you just see the phone come into yeah, shot. It's and amazing. I love it. I it's love amazing. It. And then and that plays a bigger part in the feature too. Yeah, like yeah. That footage comes back to haunt him. Yeah. <laughs> but then, so when you made the feature, you what you analyzed the f- you made this film and uh, you made the short film and you weren't really expecting much from it yeah and you just wanted to get it off your chest get it out of your system yeah. you did it and then you were just like I'm gonna make this into a feature so what you went back and you watched your short and just cannibalized it for that's a bit yeah. that's a plot bit yeah. that's the thing yeah it was that and then and then uh, and then for about a year I thought that I couldn't turn it into a feature that it wouldn't work <laughs> and then I watched it a year later having not watched it in about six or seven months um, after it won Sundance and uh, I saw the ending bit where my daughter pulls away from me I try and get her to sit next mm. to me at the end of humiliating her and she pulls away and I'm kind of shocked by it and I was like in screenplay format you're supposed to start the inciting incident 10 minutes into a film and I always thought that if I was going to make it a feature that would have to be the climax because that's the most interesting moment of that guy's life I thought and then I was like well no if we open the movie with this then that would be the inciting incident and the movie would have to be about me trying to get my daughter to like me again so and I was like that would be an incredible movie I mean it's perfect it's about you sort of lost your mum in the first bit so you've got this whole generational thing yeah. happening yeah and, well. then, and then that was the other thing it was, like a, it was like the twist of the feature would be that we're not watching this guy be a son we're watching him be a parent and then right. that would be the full cycle of life that I wanted to showcase but it absolutely didn't go the way I thought it was going to go <laughs> you know I in my head the there was a very kind of like, yes. uh, m- um, kind of like a cookie cutter mainstream uh, indie film, indie yeah. film yeah. plot line that that I could see, which was you know, well I won't give it away. It's such a great film, but uh, but I could see, I, I'd written it already. Okay. Yes, yeah. and, and I think that that's to its benefit. You know, it, 
as soon as it starts and the details come in, the ballet school and uh, and the mum dying and uh, the, the daughter and, yeah. you know, trying to build that relationship, then you instantly go, I know what this is. Yeah. And then it doesn't do that. And it's kind of like you go, oh, this film is incredible. And I really love the length of the shots that you got, which you don't yeah. get in films. Yeah. My favourite scene is the scene uh, where you're uh, in your pants, uh, in your <laughs> underwear, yeah. uh, and uh, taking my clothes off in a parking yeah, lot. And yeah. um, yeah. uh, and then at the end of the scene. It, you know, I mean, is this all spoilers? Can you? No, you, you can say that. It's, well, okay, so it's a Jake Gyllenhaal, Leonardo DiCaprio style shouting match, and then it ends with a butt joke, <laughs> and you see my butt, and it's great. Yeah. yeah, it is, but isn't that the same scene? I mean, forgive me, I saw this film, we saw this three film months ago, three, months three months ago, ago. And, and we haven't had the opportunity to see it again, but um, but isn't that the scene where it reveals that you've got your gun is in your hand? Uh, yeah, yeah, and so I'm an armed get, gunman. And, and yeah. so, so you're on this journey in this scene, and you're watching the scene. And then you rev- and then you go oh yeah this has gone badly and it's, it's comic, this has gone and then so it's, badly got this kind of what's so amazing about that is it's it's sixty minutes into the movie so everybody's already endeared to this character and he's so lovable and he's a victim of circumstance all the time and then it's so close up on this fighting match between him and his partner and then we cut to one wide shot when everybody's acting weird and he has a gun in his hand and he's pulled he's unholstered his gun and then he realizes it with the audience and what's amazing is to watch it with a crowd everybody goes oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah they're yeah. never like shocked by it they're just like oh our favorite guy let us down yeah. it's great oh I just think that oh things have just got so much worse for him oh that's <laughs> not great I think he didn't a, need that in his life <laughs> the opening 10 minutes are so smart way of just kind of getting to know someone in, in kind of quite a short amount of time and just go you know everything about him you go right and he's so well meaning yeah. but not at all but it's almost like he sort of seems to hate himself yeah. more than yeah and apologizing constantly yeah. and I, what, what I really wanted to do is have the comedy of that of watching somebody who someone who's led an inconsiderate life they haven't considered their place in the universe or anything like that and then to to come to those realizations in public in front of a bunch of people (laughs) is just so funny and like hopefully makes people not do that maybe people will usually consider their lives after that and be like I'm not going to be like that idiot because it's always like the idea of doing um singing and dancing to <laughs> you uh, sing and we've watched your shorts and you sing in uh, almost all of your ones yeah that's right yeah actually everything <laughs> that i act in you're right yeah. i didn't realize that yeah yeah you do wow yeah well researched man i haven't i haven't seen all my shorts in a long time that's funny oh <laughs> uh, no yeah. we've, we've been watching them to well i don't even know if i've seen them all okay. i haven't I seen them all and in fact some of them i couldn't find i couldn't find your first one brothers oh wow yeah man i made that in college it's so funny it's available anywhere uh, I think it's on my old YouTube channel. If you just look up uh, Brothers Jimmy C That's Me, uh, you, you should be able to find it. Jimmy C. Jimmy C That's Me. Jimmy C That's Me. Yeah. You're looking that up. Yeah, we're, we're all watching okay. it together okay. now. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you can give us that a director's was, commentary. Yeah, that, I was I was 19 or 20 when I made that. I was right. very yeah. very young. So um, what's your background? That was it. We came out of it and we're going because I thought we went to this preview and it's probably the best way to see it because you didn't knew nothing about it. Oh great! So immediately you come out of it going. Nick, who was that? Yeah, Nick had yeah, sort of yeah. said, "Oh, I've got tickets to this thing tonight." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll come and watch this." <laughs> we're like, well, "Who? What is it? Who's that guy? Who wants? Yeah, yeah. What's the? What is it? Where, what was I watching?" I was a nobody for a long, long time. Uh, I I went to film school. I wanted to write and direct. I graduated at 21 and realized that nobody was going to hire a 21 year old to direct anything. And so I spent years just producing for my friends. I was doing like viral videos and sketch comedy and commercials and some feature films when I was lucky. 
but it was all stuff that wasn't really connecting to audiences. Um, but it gave me a huge understanding of how to assemble a team and make something on your own. And uh, I don't know. I, I just came up at a time where the technology was in such a place where you could make something in your backyard with your friends and then go to film festivals and have it kind of play all over the world. And that was good enough. It was good enough for audiences. And I was like, all right, well, why don't we just keep doing this stuff? And so I, I was making stuff that wasn't really that funny and wasn't really that important doing sketch comedy. And that just made me go crazy. And I was like, why don't I try something on my own? Is, it it is could be just as good. Is that when you were working for College Humor? College Humor, humor. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, w I was there for eight or 11 months, one of the two. And I had this commute to work. It was a 45-minute commute from North Hollywood to West Hollywood and then 45 minutes home. And so I had all this free time to, to workshop stuff. And that's how I wrote Thunder Road. It was all out loud on my drives to work and back. And it was just me acting out the funeral a thousand times and yeah. putting in good improv. Like I'd come up with something on the drive and then record it on my iPhone and be like, oh, that was good. And then transcribe that to screenplay mm -hmm. format later that night. It was like a really weird way to make a movie and a very lonesome experience. Right. I, I didn't know anybody, but mm -hmm. then I you know, spent my savings account on this thing and then and shot it in six hours in a funeral home and one Sundance. It's like... I really, really cared about Shot it. Shot for six hours in a funeral home and one Sundance. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can do it. Yeah. I mean, like, legitimately, I, I, I knew nobody, and that's why I say that. It's like, I, I feel like everybody thinks that, that that Sundance is this, like, castle in the sky, and they're excluded from it, and they're, you know, inadequate and unable to join that club. There is no club. We imagine that there's a club, but there isn't. I mean, the whole point of Sundance is that it is inclusive, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how Redford started it. It was like riding motorcycles out It's not the same as Utah. somewhere like Cannes. Yeah, Cannes is, Cannes is strange. I was there last year with, with Thunder Road, and it's like a lot of high glamour and suits and stuff, but um, I think all of that covers for the fact that they all just, you know, still work their asses off and make stuff. I think that that, that kind of stuff could be a terrible distraction from actually making stuff. Yeah, mm. sure. It's the idea that you're intimidated by the idea of... Uh, yeah people what do you call them like um gatekeepers is the thing isn't it yeah say. that's right there's this that's idea right. that there's yeah oh you can't because of there's some imagined yeah. thing that stops you yeah. from yeah the first filmmaker who i saw I, I grew up watching like steven spielberg movies and the behind the scenes of david fincher movies and they were all so glamorous and very you know well put together and i remember thinking i can never be that and then i met this filmmaker named trey schultz who made a movie called Cretia, and all the footage of him on set He's wearing a bathrobe and flip-flops. And I was like, well, and it's an incredible movie. It's shot in a backyard, um, but it's incredible. And I remember thinking, I could, definitely couldn't be Steven Spielberg, but I could totally be that guy. <laughs> and the first time I saw that, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get off the couch and I'm going to try and make something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a funny thing. Me and Nick uh, come from like a stand-up background. so we. But it's that funny thing that it's the first experience of, I think, when someone like who's a stand-up you might have seen on TV, you do a gig with them and they walk in and you go, ah, oh, it's some guy. Yeah, it's not. That's it's right. not everyone's right. some yeah. guy. Yeah, they're yeah, not. Yeah. You have these ideas. It's like, oh, it's that person yeah. that you've you've imagined as yeah. a certain thing. Yeah. Everyone you meet is always, ah, oh, it's some guys. Yeah. You know, it's just they, some guy. They say uh, those who know don't care, and those who care don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny when you read old biographies of famous people, and it's just like, oh, they're just going around <laughs> eating dinner, and that's uh, <laughs> just like well, <laughs> George Lucas. Yeah. His biography is hilarious. It's just like he was just some guy who was making stuff, and like took a chance and made a movie with a you know Harrison Ford and a guy in a dog costume, and like yeah. just cared about something and was cra you know well crafted. There's no magic to it. I think yeah. we imagine there's magic to it because of the marketing and like the preconceived notions we have it's terrible it's that thing where you see Paul McCartney always does that thing we talked about the Beatles and he goes hey we're just a great little rock and roll band and you think like oh yeah it's a nice way of kind yeah, of diminishing yeah. it but then you go but if you're Paul McCartney 
It is. That's how you see it. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, you've got no out. You yeah. can't see the the world around it. You're yeah. just yeah. Paul McCartney going. I used to be in a band. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then he went solo. Yeah. yeah, for a long time. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Jim. Uh, in which decade? In which decade is the 2016 movie Hail Caesar set? Uh, in which decade? Mm-hmm. Decade. Uh, it would probably be the 1950s. I mean, it's multiple choice. So, is it A 1930s, B 1960s, C 1980s, or D 1950s? Now I want to say it's the 1940s, but no, it's the 1950s. Yes, yeah, 1950s, 1950s did it. Yeah, there you go. Oh. You win a packet of candy sticks Get with a tattoo. out. Are we going to be doing this throughout the entire recording? No, that's that's the, that's I should have saved that prize. Yeah. Actually, I should have saved that prize. Oh. That's the only one you Can got. Can get it back, actually? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, later on. <laughs> do you know what? I might give you one candy stick at a time. <laughs> that's uh, totally we'll do, right. we'll that's do totally it like right. that. So, when... So... Some of your stuff isn't on IMTP, but it is on Vimeo, yeah. right? So, uh, The Chucko. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, because we didn't submit that to any film festival. Was so, to get onto IMDb, usually you submit to a film festival through Without a Box, the servers, and then that ends, it makes it end up on IMDb. Right. So, we never submitted that to a short film festival because it's ridiculous. Well, <laughs> <laughs> why, ever, why ever not? <laughs> um, so is that that was one of your early films? Yeah, did you, that was did you direct that? I did. Yeah, was that, that for College Humor? That, no, it wasn't. They wouldn't allow me to do anything at College Humor. I had no creativity. <laughs> but but I was making sketches all the time, and I met Dustin Hahn, who plays the Chucko in it, and he's so funny. And he and I were just like, all right, cool, let's just do something, you know. And it'll be in an afternoon, and we shot it. And uh, no, that was just me trying to make something funny. And it was, it was great. We had, like, a, a couple of lights, and we rented the gear, but it was literally the four of us making something. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you dug it. What, how many did I watch? One, two, three, four, five, oh six, my God. seven. Did you what, get a list written seven? out? I've written them out because I had some questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, I think so we just thought, just, well, why did you make we've got it? We've got a, like... You've got Thunder Rug. What else have you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who are you? Shite. And so what I was so I watched uh, so I watched Thunder Road and then uh, I watched uh, actually um, another couple of my friends who are also stand-up comedians and make short films. They'd been to a short film uh, like uh, I guess it was like a festival, maybe it was a screening thing. They saw the robbery. Oh wow! And I was talking about uh, the fact that you were coming on the show, and they said, "Oh yeah, we we know. I mean, he made the robbery." And then they said, have you seen that? And I said, no, I've seen Thunder Road. And they said, what's that? And then we were driving really? back from a comedy festival. It was uh, Paul F. Taylor and uh, Becky Shorks, who have been uh, on the yeah, show yeah. before. Okay, um, cool. And um, so they recommended The Robbery, and I recommended them Thunder Road. But so I watched The Robbery, and that's all done in one shot. Yeah. And then Mountains of Morn, that was all done in one shot. Yeah. And so then I watched a interview with you it's when you're speaking in French you can speak French I can ah. oui bien sûr sacre bleu <laughs> c'est bon <laughs> à bientôt oui parfait mm. oui je m'appelle Nicolas chapitre saint Albans. où est le syndicat d'initiative oui yeah. ça marche ouais. yeah. ça va bien merci bien. et toi yeah. oui oui c'est bien tu parles français très bien ah. mm. yeah Si, oui. Oui. 
I'm out. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. I, I got kicked off GCSE yeah. French. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but um, so, uh, but you said after that, so you did Thunder Road, you, you won the award, and then after that, um, you got approached to make a series. Yeah, of six single take short films, and we made those. The robbery was inside of that, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, we just kind of started making short films for a company called Full Screen that isn't around anymore. They folded not because of us, um, <laughs> but uh, but but then we got the rights back to be able to release it and so I've been putting them up on my Vimeo ever since and then after the robbery did well at South by Southwest uh, a company called Topic reached out to finance three more short films so we made three more shorts after that and what, which ones were those? Uh, it's Alright It's Okay Hydrangea and Mountains Mourn It's Alright It's Okay uh, it's, it's incredible it's, it's short though right? I didn't miss minutes. any of it oh, yeah. it's so good yeah thanks man yeah it's brilliant yeah Joseph Lee Anderson's amazing really He's great so idea good. and mm. what's good is because it's all they're all single shots but um, but the information that gets drip fed to Reveals. you as you're going is just it's just brilliant yeah um, so that's it's alright it's okay then there was uh, Hydrangea yeah uh, and Mountains of Morn yeah Mountains of Morn I loved it yeah I mean this is very gushy I know but it's, it's, I feel it's bit, not really like this I feel it's, it's not so really like this we're not being rude to our guests we're not being really rude it's the least viewed <laughs> short of mine because because it's about such a sad subject it's funny though yeah it's really funny yeah but I'm surprised that, that I mean it's 11 minutes I get it but still it's, it's good it's really well done oh, it's horrendous yeah. how long and is again, too long for a short uh, 15 minutes I think yeah yes. that's what I said minutes, before yes. you came on yeah. that's what I said programmers yeah. say that yeah I'm right <laughs> yes yeah it's my show I'm right the 2015 movie was that your English accent there's some things you can't do that's I'm so sorry <laughs> I'm trying yeah. 2015 movie Spotlight is set in which American city Boston it's a, is it A Boston B Philadelphia C Miami D New York Boston it's Boston it's Boston yeah Boston mm. You got any more candy sticks? No, uh, no. Okay, I'm gonna find stuff in my pocket. No, you don't want anything <laughs> in my pocket. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, the mountains and more. Did that get in- entered into anywhere? Uh, it, we entered it into. We like submitted it to a bunch of film festivals and didn't get in anywhere. But what was the whole point of making? The, so did you make? Have you made all six? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We made. Was we the made, stop one of them? Yeah, we so. made. We made ten single take short films in two years. And did you direct the stop? Uh, I did not. My buddy Danny Madden did, only because I was in the film and I didn't Very wanna. technically complicated. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And was that a single take? So it's two takes that we fuse together, but with you can't tell. Puppet yeah. Same, same, yeah, yeah same yeah, thing yeah. with um, Hydrangea. Hydrangea is two shots in two different locations to make it look like it's one shot. So that was never your thing? Because I, well, when watching them, you go, oh, so you're like the one take guy. That's but what it's I just thought. because it was... Yeah, yeah Because yeah. someone asked you to. As yeah. I was watching it, I was thinking, he's definitely got a style. And mm. then, you know, you watch other bits and you go, right. And, and also, if that was your style, you'd think that the whole of Thunder Road, the whole point of yeah. that would yeah. be that you do it in one take. Yeah. And, and people were saying there, it's like, oh, if you're going to do a Thunder road feature it has to all take place at the funeral home and i was like well that would be very boring like that you'd only be able to see a slice of this person's life whereas you get to see a few weeks of this guy and that was so much funnier to me mm. and also you kind of um uh, uh respect that uh whole way of making it by having such the, such long shots in it and yeah. letting letting scenes play out yeah. so you kind of have adapted the short uh in philosophy as well as yeah and that way of writing you're talking about where you're kind of performing it and you do that for every character 
Yeah, yeah. So I actually you'll, record you'll, a podcast of the screenplay once it's done, and I play every part in it. And then I put in music and sound design and then send that to the cast and crew so that everybody can at least hear what I'm thinking about the movie. That's what I was yeah. thinking. I was thinking it was a bit lazy that you didn't play every part <laughs> in the movie. You just wrote it, and I thought, well, there's other people in this. He's really let himself He's go. He's taking credit for it. Yeah, He's on. not holding that camera. He's in the shot. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, so you're making a werewolf film at the moment. Uh, we shot it. We shot you finished it. it. We, yeah, we finished Prince photography so we shot it in March in Utah it was cold it was very cold <laughs> I, uh, I wrote directed and star in it and uh, yeah it's about a, a police officer tracking down a werewolf it's my first studio film I'm not allowed to announce the studio yet I can't say who it is oh, really? terrible, yeah but it's a big American studio it's one of the studios it's one of the studios are you happy with how it's turned out I am it's really neat there's there's two long takes in it and then the rest of it is conventionally edited but it's good it's uh it's gnarly it's uh I play a 39 year old and so I, I play a little bit older they grade yeah, my hair up sure um, right and it's a horror film it's like a proper horror how film. was it playing someone as old as 39 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I had to I'm not 39 yet yeah, yeah. but that's 40 oh right. no way I'm sorry I'm 38. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's tough. Be. I mean, at that age, so, when yeah, you get up to about 40, yeah. 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 my knees. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my knees were hurting yesterday, yeah. so I yeah. <laughs> hope, hope to see that reflected on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you've really played the part. Yeah. We can watch that yeah, really yeah. scrutinise that performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not yeah, a bit yeah. where he rubs his knee. Yeah, or you know, there's a couple moments like that. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, gets drunk and passes out in his kitchen and takes out the oven while doing it. It's fun. Good, yeah. I really love the videos of you. The um, the Sundance sort oh of my documentary God. things. Are those I we shot those on a whim. I was like, we should just bullshit while we're there because there's going to be yeah. So we shot this this web series when we went to Sundance 20, 2016 with the Thunder Road short film because everybody was so there's so much celebration behind it and ceremony and I was like, we should just do something that's funny that like is bullshit to make it look like the wrong people got into Sundance to kind of piss off our Facebook friends and stuff. <laughs> and I think that would be really funny. I think it, it, it did. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 is like <laughs> it really did. Um, and then we won the first year, which is so unexpected. We'd written the season for us to lose and then like have that loss really hit me. We wanted to do something that like, you know, profound and funny. And then we won and so the exact opposite happened but we let fame go to my head and then it's only like us there for three days or whatever and I like you know start freebasing cocaine out of Sundance merchandise and like weird <laughs> shit my parents are there I get in a fight with my parents it's really funny and so then we did a second series uh, we ran a Kickstarter campaign because of the fandom of the, the first series I love that it was such a stupid thing but I'm very glad that we did it oh yeah but also it feels sort of narratively like you were supposed to win it. Yeah. When you watch, it doesn't feel like. Yeah. Like yeah. I guess yeah, it would have made more. Like it would have been. That must a different have been ending. a bit of a head fuck though while you were actually filming it, <laughs> to be kind of like, uh, oh my god, I'm actually winning. There's, there's footage of it, and then like also my friends are so sound minded that like at the like immediately after walking up on walking off of stage with the trophy, uh, my buddy Dustin goes, "This is going to be so good for the series." Like, this is going to be so great for the fake documentary. Instead of being like, you know, this yeah, right. is the launch of our careers, <laughs> yeah. he had level head and was like, no, this is going to be hysterical yeah, for right. everybody. He's right as well. Yeah, he, he was. Be thinking he that. was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were still shooting. We yeah. should be thinking about the production. Yeah. <laughs> what are you writing there? Oh, um, you got a. Well, I mean, this shows the date of the book. We thought it was. Hmm. Which Disney animated classic is being remade oh, yeah. That's as a live one. action movie for 2016? Yeah, there you go. That's a memory thing now. Uh, what 2016 was it? live action. Um, uh, it wouldn't be Annie. I've got, I've got a guess. You got it? Live Maybe. action? Uh, I can only think I can of... give you multiple choice if you yeah, need it. Yeah, give me it. multiple choice. That's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, uh, I'm going to say... Oh, oh, Jungle Book. 
I know. I got it? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, right. I didn't need multiple. I was going to say Cinderella. But oh, okay. man. I know. You would have been wrong, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Cummings got it right. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Disney, you're also the voice of Winnie the Pooh. That's I, uh, right. See. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you get confused yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time? Uh, all the time. And actually, it's really funny when we win an award and then they they use pictures of him on the red carpet and it's this 65 year old man and he has these two blonde stunners next to him and it's like Jim Cummings win Sundance. That's it, another blustery yeah. day. <laughs> Pretty good, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, it's uh, half past. We should play uh, your song. Well, oh yeah! What song is it? Uh, I chose the BBC Live version of Valerie by Amy Winehouse. Okay. Well, sometimes I go out buzzing and I look across the water and I think of all the things what you're doing and in my head I paint a picture. Since I come home, well, my body's been a maggot, and I miss your gender hair and the way you're... Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Uh, we're joined back li- uh, live in the studio, live two weeks in advance, pre-recorded in the studio. Because <laughs> uh, uh, it's Thunder Road is out today, we should say. That's right. right. Is, it, is it out in two weeks? Two it's May thirty-first. So it's, it's out today. Uh, definitely uh, go and see it. Yeah, right now. Right now, don't not right now. Go in, go in twenty twenty two minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty two minutes and go. You probably see. get a good performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one twenty, one thirty. Yeah, one thirty. Good, good time to see it. Yeah, good time to see it. Two thirty. Two thirty. Two thirty. Right. Yeah, our yeah, our yeah. show is two After, hours long. Don't forget, yeah, Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and also, this is the last. Uh, this is the last show of our first year, and next week will be our first show. This is like the. This is, yeah, this, this is the, the last end of, end of season. So what's this? This is our fifty-second episode. 50 wow! Seconds, holy yeah. smokes! Our oh, fifty-second week. Yeah. Congrats! So, no, thank yeah. you for being on it. Yeah. I mean, if you'd seen some of the early ones, they weren't as slick as this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't have been able to see them either. Because that was incredibly articulate with <laughs> yeah. the, the mass that he was just doing exactly. out loud. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. All right, mate. <laughs> What you don't understand is me and Nick, we drive here Just in a car and we rehearse in our car. Just half kissing your ass, for fuck's sake. Then come on here to fucking be judged by Jim Cummings with his fucking with my maths ability. Sacre blur. So, um... What does uh, sacre blur mean? Uh, that means holy... Go on, tell him. Is it... Well, I don't know. It means sac- holy blue. Holy blue? Yeah. Mm. What does that mean? I don't know. Holy it means blue. holy shit in French. Right? I guess yeah, that's it. That's, a, that's what sacre bleu means. Mm. Well, holy well, didn't bring it, bring it on it to use your potty now. <laughs> so, um, so here we are. So um, we, we normally we, we don't normally get around to this bit. Uh, but uh, uh, so here's a question for you: Have you ever seen Army of Darkness? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have. It's great. Oh yeah, great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you know it was Evil Dead? <laughs> Evil Dead Three. Yeah, yeah. Did you know it was Evil Dead Three when you saw it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'd seen the first two, and then this is a great segment. Is it just? Or is it just asking the guests yeah, if they've seen Army of Darkness? I'll tell, yeah. tell you what it is. Tell you what it is. Good bit. Yeah. It was. Uh, we, it was on uh, Film Four this weekend, which is uh, okay. uh, Channel Four's uh, film yeah. channel. Yeah. And they showed the original UK theatrical cut. And the director's cut. Oh. And no one in England has ever heard of Army of Darkness. And they've virtually really? not heard of Evil Dead. Um, so growing up with it being my favourite film, it's been kind of a lonely uh, existence. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, they showed both versions, uh, the, but not the US version. And the UK version is the best version. Okay, of all I think three. I've only seen the US one. Yeah. In that case, yeah, yeah you I haven't seen the best one. But okay, uh, well, I have to see. It's the UK version. You think is the best? Yeah. Well, well he grabs the, the goblet and squeezes it, and then goes groovy. Yeah, so I mean that's in all of them. Yeah. Uh, the US version, I think, is eighty-eight minutes. The UK version is ninety-two minutes. Really? And the director's cut is ninety-eight minutes. Wow. And uh, in between the the short version and the long version, they're missing. Mm-hmm. On an uh, uh, optimum cut, <laughs> which is the uh, 92 <laughs> one. Uh, just yeah. say, if you're in the country and you enjoy the movie, but yeah. perhaps look it up on film. While four. you're in the UK. Yeah. While you're in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'll watch it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, what are you a fan of? Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of a lot of stuff. I'm a fan of uh, of character comedy. I'm a fan of good music and character comedy. Mm-hmm. I like Alan Partridge a lot. You guys must. Mm. Do you know? Funnily enough, I he's a know contemporary of yours as a radio no. DJ. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's off the radio. I now. mean, I'm only forty. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, not yeah. quite How old do you think Alan Partridge is now? He was in his. Okay, so in I'm. An, I was watching. Funnily enough, didn't know that you were going to say Alan Partridge uh, until today, and I was watching I'm Alan Partridge last night. Because um, I've I've just oh, it's convoluted. I've just moved house, okay. and I've just started unpacking. And uh, my girlfriend came over and she said, "Why have you got a, a, a bashed up chocolate orange on your <laughs> shelf?" <laughs> and uh, I said, "Oh, that's because when I went to the premiere of uh, Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge yeah. movie, yeah. they gave everyone a bashed up uh, Terry's <laughs> chocolate orange, and people were in the cinema going, what's this? And it's like, it's from episode two, yeah. series one yeah. of Iron Man and Partridge, yeah. when he gives yeah. everyone bashed up Terry's chocolate oranges, yeah. and she hadn't seen it, so we started watching that, and, and from se- episode two, and then we ended up watching the majority of the first series. It's great. Um, it's so good. But he is in his early 40s in that series, but he's got like makeup on. A bunch on. of wrinkles on. I think he's had mm-hmm. work done. He's got so yeah, much, yeah. he's got so so much. Uh, well, he's my age, is he? He's, got yeah, so, yeah. he's basically yeah. two years older than you. Yeah. In but he the looks first about series of 50. I'm, He yeah. looks 50, yeah. 60. Yeah. Uh, but then yeah. they've retroactively changed that. So now yeah. he's probably about 65. And uh, they've made it. He looks younger now than he did in the first series. But yeah, anyway. Incredible. Anyway, uh, so nice to have you on. Good night. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's the same thing as uh, Army of Darkness with me. Like, nobody knew Alan in the United States. You couldn't mm. get him anywhere. And so I was the biggest fan in high school watching clips on YouTube and stuff like that. And that was the only place that I could get him. It's, uh, you know, it's I did feel like I did feel that watching it. It has that. I mean, this sounds like um, Thunder it, Road. Uh, yeah, yeah, during Thunder Road, it felt a bit like it felt like there's something of that kind of. I want to say British character comedy, but that's almost yeah. diminishing something. No, which is, yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, like you've probably just ripped something off from someone over here. Well, well no, <laughs> it's absolutely. Like I mean, it. really, that cringe comedy in the funeral scene is very David Brent. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. dancing and comedy. That's season two of, of The Office. Um, but then also there's a moment in the movie where I'm trying to get my daughter to come downstairs and I go, oh, no, honey, you don't have to do that right now. I was hoping we could go downstairs, order a pizza and watch a Fast and the Furious. And that's like so Alan of just yes, like coming yeah. up like that just says that's his favorite movie and that that's what he thinks is a great night. Yes. It's yeah, not yeah. a punchline. It's just like a description of what's going on in this guy's mind. Which yeah. Is yeah. Funny. It's character. Yeah. It's co- comedy yeah. coming out of things the character's saying or what you know stuff about him or it says so much about them yeah. by the choices they yeah. make. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that's that thing where you get it from. That's, that's how you recognize real people it's always the, the, the sort of the small things isn't it where you go yeah. I know exactly who that, that person, person is exactly yeah. and also I think the most satisfying comedy isn't just punchlines it's kind of like, it's details that you're yeah. watching and it's not just um, it's not just kind of um uh, hey guys, do you remember? Do you remember this from when we were growing up in our childhood? But it's like it's it's creating characters 
that um, have such specific references. Yeah, specificity I find to be the funniest thing mm. in the world. Like I find that in when I do when I started, I started out writing poetry and, and songs, and I always thought that the most the most specific I could make it about myself, rather than try and go out to the audience and try and make it as broad as possible for them to get on board, I'd make it as personal and specific to myself as possible because you'd think that as I am a human, yeah. there are things within me sure. that other, everyone can relate to. And often to. that's more relatable than trying to do mm-hmm. the broad stuff. Yeah, I don't know if why. If you try and please everyone, it. then you, you end up pleasing no one. Yeah, to yeah. do both at the same time is to, to do, do neither. Try to do stand-up and, and try and do things <laughs> where it's not really relatable. People talk about stand-up, they yeah. want to have something. If I try to do the opposite of that, it didn't work. Yeah, no. Didn't work out. No. <laughs> no. I once, one of my no. favorite stand-up bits was a guy who got up to do stand-up in North Hollywood, and he was just doing jokes that only people in his apartment building would get. And it was like, what is up with the landlord leaving the hose in the pool? And it was like, it killed. It was like all, it was like very specific stuff that he was complaining about. So he's like, anyway. And he kept doing it. And it was so funny. It was like, yeah. that kind of specificity is just hysterical out of context. Did you ever see... Uh, because uh, Steve Coogan went on. To, did you ever see Saxondale? Yes, I did. I did. So that was the that was the show that he did without a laugh track after I'm Alan Partridge, yeah, and yeah. I well, I didn't appreciate it as much. I feel like I was. Probably, I don't think it did get a lot of appreciation. I was probably 20 years old, and I think it's a different kind of humor. He's a car guy in real life, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like a big auto automotive head. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that it was a lot of like rocker jokes and then car jokes, and I feel like I was too young to get them. Yeah, I, I think, think you should. I think, I think you should watch. I it think again. you should watch it again, okay, cool. so especially the second se- series yeah. of that. I think is great. But the, when I'm Alan Partridge came out the first series of that or season of that came out in 97 yeah. then The Office came out in 2000 which didn't same have a last track Jurassic Park Lost yeah. it was the same year as Jurassic Park Lost World and Batman <laughs> and Robin and Armageddon <laughs> and Godzilla um, <laughs> was the uh, first season of Iron Man and Partridge and um, at Jurassic Park yeah. and, um, <laughs> but um, the uh, so the first season of that came out and then uh, The Office came out and then the second season of Iron Man and Potter came out and it still had the laugh track on. Yeah. And people were like going, what's this? This is old fashioned. Yes. And it basically the office killed off laugh tracks yeah. in, in sitcoms. Thank God. Whereas, but we're overnight. Um, I was, it was so weird watching Iron Man and Partridge last night with a laugh track on it because the actors are pausing for the, yes, of for course, the yeah. claps to go. It's yeah. just kind of, you know, yeah. it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's like a, the comedy lasts, but it's like a time capsule in terms of how you make comedy and TV. But you can definitely see that oh, yeah, yeah, the office is yeah. that watershed moment, and Saxondale didn't before have and after. Yeah, mm. Saxondale didn't have a laugh track. But that's not, I mean that's the first thing that you mentioned, and it's kind of like oh yeah, but I didn't ever think about it like that. Mm. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you have, have you seen the latest series of Alan Partridge? I have. I've seen the first. Uh, I've seen the first episode, but that's it. I'm saving okay. it until I get home. Okay. Do you have those kind of shows in the states? Do you know what the kind of thing it's? Not really. Okay. No, so they're I all that. super serious and and very politically correct. We have South Park, and that's about it. Like, there's not many other great writers, and and the Gibbons brothers and Armando Iannucci and that whole team just make the best comedy. And so, like, if you want to watch that kind of comedy, you have to see it with them. It's terrible. Nobody else is doing it. And how is it? How how did you come across it? 
YouTube. I was uh, I was in college or I was in high school, and I found I'm on Partridge, and I guess it was series one, and just started watching clips from it, and I found it very funny. It was just a very strange character comedy, and then uh, I was making stuff that was similar. I was watching um, The Office, obviously. Uh, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant were huge inspirations to me growing up. Um, but no, I, I was a fan of Jeeves and Worcester, and when I was a kid, I had like VHS tapes of Jeeves and Worcester and The Young Ones and like all of this other British oh, comedy. Wow. Yeah, okay. I was a huge fan of British comedy, light British comedy. I read P.G. Woodhouse as a child. I had no business enjoying light <laughs> British comedy. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I that's how I set my metronome of what was funny. But why did you get the VHSs? Was that something you were choosing? My you were older sister. My oh, older okay. sister had it, and like for whatever reason, it only came in in VHS, and we didn't have BBC America yet, and so it was like in order to watch that stuff, you had to you had to watch it on VHS. But did you get them imported? So did you have like British VHSs that you had to... No, 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 no. So I guess BBC America had the ability to print American VHSs and then you could buy them at bookstores like Barnes & Noble. Um, Because I used to buy American VHSs because I'm, well, I'm a massive Bruce Campbell fan. So I used to try and find all of the other films that he made other than the Evil Dead ones. And I used to get them... From America, but I couldn't watch them. I was just collecting these. V- <laughs> really, I was collecting these VHSs that one day I think one day I'll be able to really watch, watch them. them on some sort of American VHS player. But nah, I never, never happened. Never happened. <laughs> I got like Mind Warp and Moon Trap and uh, Vampires in Retreat, heard and Waxwork Two. Have you seen them since? Are they I good? have seen them. No, yeah. they're not good. None of them are good. Wow. <laughs> Well, Mick can lend you a video. I've got a whole yeah. box of VHS videos that I've never seen. You can have them if you want. <laughs> He's had to move with them. Yeah. You'll get more out of them than I will. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so Alan Partridge. Uh, oh, Chris Lilly. Chris Lilly as well. Chris Lilly. Have you seen Summer High Tie? I've seen there. Yeah, I saw that one, I think. And uh, but yeah, he's he's obviously like very talented. Does he? He's on that plays every character. Yeah, he does. yeah he's nuts. He plays he plays three characters in Summer High Tie, and between the episodes, you forget it's the same person. He's so good at doing it, and it's heartbreaking and f- hilarious and very realistic he spends months and months researching what it's like to be a 16 year old girl and then puts in that dialogue and makes the scenes what they are and and then has since done other shows where he takes out the punchlines and he just make the joke is that it's him and it's a documentary there's nothing funny about it really it's very strange but summer high tie is one of the things that got me into making movies i was like i could do something like this he's a weird one because he hasn't become a cultural phenomenon over here, yes, that's right. Like yeah. so, he's he's around, but I wouldn't say that he's um, as instantly uh, recognisable as Alan Partridge, Steve Coogan, yeah. or um, or you know, kind of like uh, David Brent in The Office. And it's kind of like he has been around, and mm. he does come up in conversations. But I've only really ever had conversations about him with other comedians. Yeah, he's so, really great. Yeah, and, but I think that that might be it. It's just like he's so impressive to other comedians, where it's like, how do you do that? How do you like? I, I think that's a, that's a reason why we you know catch catch interest is because I end up doing so much, and people are people are doing comedy and they're trying to get cast and stuff, but I cast myself and stuff, and then because of that, it becomes a a good performance because like I've, I've framed something perfectly for me. How do you find that directing yourself? Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I feel like it's just me running back and forth from behind the camera, and then it's just thousands of hours of rehearsal. It's like me in the shower and on the drives to locations and stuff and coffee shops, and I'm, like, talking to myself. I must look like a lunatic, but it's the, I've never taken an acting class, so it's the only way that I know how to do it or that I'm sh- certain that it will work out. 
it's a, it's a really bizarre thing. And if I if I didn't do a podcast version of it beforehand, I don't know if it would be any good. But I can hear that it's working in audio format, and I just so make when you're it work. doing when you're having a dialogue between two characters and you're <coughs> writing both of them, yeah, are you being both people talking to each other? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like that's how every screenwriter works. You have like a laptop. Except most screenwriters have a laptop open, and then they come up with the character's name, and then they just hear the voices in their head, and then they write that down. But when you do that, you're missing out on all of the ways that people speak English. Like it has to come out of vocal exactly. cords yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like funny turns of phrase and you know possibilities for improv mm. um, are, are kind of gone on the page and so by getting it up and, and acting it out you can't get the words great. out or the words don't come out right and you correct yourself and you yeah. have all yeah, those yeah, little yeah. kind that's of great. vocal like, things that's great yeah. that's so funny and it's so telling of like how somebody thinks when you run out of breath and you have to <clears throat> and then you start to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. I, I always find it crazy when uh, so I've, I've acted uh, I've directed myself and I've uh, worked with a director who was also the writer and I've also uh, worked on stuff where the writer just hasn't been present at all, and you can't change you can't change what yeah. they've written, and it's kind of like they have to. I think it's it's sort of crazy that they're not present. That's just mm. a because weird, as soon as yeah. it's out loud, it's just kind of like, hang it's, on a minute, this, yeah. no human talks like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Also, it's not going to sound good. We want this thing to be good. It shouldn't be an ego trip about your precision of your words here. It's like it's it doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Can I just change it a little bit to make it sound good? It's it's insane. That whole control stuff is just bizarre to me. If it's not working on the day, change it. Like, that's what you have to do to make anything good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like if you're a writer, like if they were there in the room, they'd probably go, oh, yeah, say it like that. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like, yeah. oh, that's better. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But then it, it becomes kind of like I suppose a it is hierarchy. Ego, right? yeah, where it's, it's kind of ego. like, but it's also, it's also knowing everyone's job. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like... This is what my hair looks like. I can't go around asking other people's opinions about it because that was the, the hair and makeup's department's job. And you know what I mean? It's kind of like, um, uh, and also, I'm a helpful person. Your instincts on set are to be like, do you need a hand with that? Yeah. And it's just like, that's not my job to yeah. move that because if I fuck it up, then yeah. that's kind of like. Yeah. You end, I remember my first job was uh, on a, uh, I, did a, I did an advert and. Uh, some some milk got for betting, and some milk got spilt. And no, I, went to, over it. I went to clean it up, <laughs> and the other actors was was saying, "Don't do that. It's not your job." And I was like, Ooh. at the time, I was like, Ugh. "Yeah." What and a now dick. I'm I am him. Yeah, <laughs> I go around. I am become I, this dick. I go around telling people not to help other people, <laughs> not just on set, just in life. I think I'm bitter and jaded. Thanks for coming in. Um, uh, so should we play the okay? Uh, should we play the game? Let's do the game. This is a game. We're coming to the end of our time with okay, you, Jim. Cool. This game is called Better or Worse, and what you have to do is you have to say whether the next thing is better or worse, uh, oh, based Jesus. based entirely on my own opinion. So you can't be wrong. Okay. Only I can be wrong. Okay. But you have to guess what I. No, would... you can be wrong. Oh yeah, you can be wrong based yeah. on my. You, you can't, can't be wrong. wrong. Yeah. I can't be wrong. You are. This one's it's all bands, starting with the okay. Beatles. Okay. iCard. It's iCard. The monkeys are they better or worse than the Beatles? Worse. They are worse. They they're are a worse. high card. I they're, do like I the monkeys. I wouldn't say they're that high, mate. Oh. Well, they probably were at the time when they were recording most of their albums. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> the Beach Boys better or worse than the monkeys? Better. 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 Yeah. I'd say better. Bon Jovi better or worse <laughs> than the Beach Boys? Don't worse. 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 Worse is worse. Kate Bush better or worse than Bon Jovi? Better. 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 Queen, better or worse than Kate Bush? Better. better. I'm going to say worse. Well, really? Worse than not Kate a Queen Bush. fan. Not a fucking not Queen a, fan. Not a Queen fan. Yeah. Prince, better or worse than Queen? Worse. worse. 
Better. Of course, really? better. you're not a Queen fan. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> the mm. police, better or worse than Prince? Worse. Worse. They are worse. The Kinks, better or worse than the police? Better. Better, yeah? David Bowie, better or worse than the Kinks? Oof. Worse. Better. Really? Yeah. You've missed an obvious like one here. Oh, yeah. Bonus question. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, Bruce Springsteen. Better or worse than Bowie? Better. Oh, he's worse. No, he's worse. He's worse. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> well, that's it. So how many, how many, how many did he get in with yeah, the bonus six. question? Yeah, yeah. Got six. six. Six out of ten. So six out of ten, I'm afraid. Uh, you're not as good as Sean Harris, Ingrid Oliver, John Niven uh, with ten. Uh, Daniel Cook, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Michael Legg, Solomon Grave, Rebecca Staten with nine. Claudie Blakely, John Brooks, Suze Kempner, Evelyn Mott, <clears throat> Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Shorks, Mark Smith, Carl Theobald with eight. Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Tom, Goodman Hill, Oliver Harper, Charlie Higson, Matthew Holness, Jim Hoskin, Laura Lex, Mark Smith, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Elliot Spellinkiller, uh, Josh Riddicum, Sean McLaughlin with seven. But you are as good as Drunk Women Solving Crime, Taylor, Glenn and Hannah George, <laughs> Matt Hyden, Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Marit Larwood, Lucy Porter, John Robbins, Richard Telling, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six. Uh, and you are better than Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering, Tom Meat and Jerry Page, Glenn Wall with five, Jack Barry, Bunny Claw, Taylor Glenn and Katie Wilkins with four and minus two. Sam Ashurst. Wow. Um, so, uh, so in actual fact, when Sam Ashurst came in, he he, he got them all wrong and then punched <laughs> me and Matt. That, hence the money. No, we've still got the that. boffins looking into well, uh, Sam Ashurst. That, that yeah. is the last time I'm going to do it. Of yeah, uh, all that, and yeah. we start from yeah. one again. It's yeah. a shame that you didn't score higher. Actually, Jim, yeah. bit of a letdown. Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, no awards today. <laughs> but you did get some uh, candy sticks that's right yeah, yeah I won the first get, game yeah uh, minor, a minor prize um, <laughs> right well brilliant thanks for coming in good luck with uh, how long are you in England for I'm here until tomorrow morning oh well uh-huh. good luck with your uh, whirlwind trip through uh, London and other places and uh, thanks for coming on the show can I see Thunder Road I'd urge everyone to see it 31st today today it's out now <laughs> in the, now in the future okay. go see it now go see it now. <laughs> I think I've been slammed. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.